the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm for you! Can't wait! Good morning and welcome. It is Coffee and Sports. It is the morning show powered by Sports Empire Network. Thank you so much for making us part of your morning routine. I am Chris, and of course, that over there, that is Mo. Mo, how are you this morning, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. Coming off of a great Super Bowl that I think a lot of us anticipated that it would be. Um, you don't get the results that you wanted, but um, I. You don't regret it. It was just a great football game, and then in the end, the better football team won. Mo, we got a lot uh, to get into this morning in regards to the Super Bowl. Uh, my, my list is, is a mile long, uh, so let's jump right into it. Just give me your instant takeaway as the game is ending last night, the confetti is flying. Obviously, we know where your heart is. But as the game immediately comes to an end, what are your initial thoughts of what transpired? You know what? Honestly, in, in the moment, I was I was I was down, but at the same time, it's no secret I've been a big fan of Andy Reid. Um, I admire Patrick Mahomes. So I don't want to lose. I don't want my team to lose. So I'm disappointed. Um, I'm not upset, I'm disappointed. But at the same time, I lost to an all-time great quarterback. Like we, you're there and it's the little things that ultimately decided that game. So in the moment, I'm like, that damn Mahomes is just different, right? He's different. And afterwards, maybe an hour or so later, you're still sitting there. My my family had gone to bed and my wife was like, leave your dad alone. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I'm gonna erupt or anything, but right, like, right, leave, right. Him leave him alone. Let him sit in it. Right. You know, and I just that's what I did. I just I, you know, you marinate in it, um, yep. and you take in all the different highlights and the post-game interviews, and and you're like, you know what, what little thing bothered you more than anything? And there were like few, there were a few th- things that bothered you, but it wasn't one of those things where it ended in controversy. They, I watched the game, Chris, and if you told me Spags was going to outcoach um, Shanahan, right? He was going to outcoach Shanahan, and Reed was going to outcoach Wilkes, at least in the second half. I actually thought Steve Wilkes in the first half, his, his defense played as well as they could play. But but if you told me that, and then Mahomes was going to be Mahomes, I, I, I would have been glad to just be there and have a shot to win. But no, no complaints when you lose to an all-time great quarterback and a guy who's, I think, stamping his his ticket to being one of the all-time great coaches. You, you just take it on the shoulders and keep it moving. I mean, I know we're going to get into play calling and things of that nature, but I, I just think that in the end, KC was just a better football team. My wife watches – I mean, I, I attempt to get her to watch a Dolphin game every week. So she has, you know, 17 chances a, a season <laughs> to watch a complete football game. Um, but it never is the case. There's always something that comes up when the Dolphins are playing to where she can't really be invested for more than 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, but she watched the entire game last night. And as the confetti is flying and we're, we're well into the post-game comments from everybody, the commissioner, the coach, the players and all that, they pan to the Niners sideline and there's a couple guys who are just still sitting on the bench and they're, they're covered in confetti and they're not really moving and they're just kind of sitting there. And, you know, she's like, what are they doing? Like, why, why do that? And I was like, you know, they don't know what, they don't know if they're going to be here again. I go, it's one thing to make the Super Bowl, and you have everything, all the emotion of winning the NFC championship. You have all the coolness and the preparation and everything that goes into the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And then you're there, right? You're in the Super Bowl, you're playing the game, you're in the moment, and then it all ends. And sure, we would love to say 
The Niners are contenders next year and they're going to be back. And maybe they will. But those guys don't know. They have no idea if they're going to be back. Some of those guys don't know if they'll be back in the Niners next season, right? Super Bowls, by no means, are a guarantee. Ask the Baltimore Ravens. Ask the Buffalo Bills of the 90s. Ask the Dallas Cowboys entering the 2000s after their run in the 90s. Super Bowls are not a guarantee. So when you make one, you take in every moment of it, win, lose, or draw, because you can't get that moment back once it ends. So I feel like if I lost the Super Bowl, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be sitting there. I'd be watching the other team do do, do the winning thing. I just I just be observing. I'd be taking because Mel. And let's also be honest. I know what's waiting for me in the locker room, and I'm in no rush to get to that either. I'm in no rush to get to the locker room where it's not going to be, you know, the happiest of environments. That's where, where my mind would be. Yeah. There isn't going to be a celebration where everyone's going to kind of be going through things around you. I would much rather just sit on the bench for an extra 20 or 30 minutes and just soak in whatever there is to soak in. And then I can go deal with all that other stuff once I finally make my way back to the locker room. I'm with you. I think that I totally get that moment when they're sitting there. I think I would have been sitting there. Um, Honestly, for the reason you hit on last is the main reason I've been sitting. I'm not in a rush to get to the locker room. I'm not in a rush to, to, engage in those kind of depressing conversations and then after you get out the shower um now you have to engage with them worldwide right because it's it's broadcast worldwide and you're going to go into the media and the post game interviews and you're going to get that at what point did you think that you lost control of the right. game or, right. you, know, you know what i mean or, or you know what i'm saying it's going to be a when when did you think the game turned and i i I don't want to answer that, man. I'm not trying to hear. And I and I what I don't want to do is if you're a good teammate, is I don't want to go like, well, on that punt when dude let the ball hit him and the other guy didn't just jump on the football. You you could definitely like point out something and dime your teammate out, but you don't do that. You go, look, they just made more plays, and which is a factual statement. They made more plays than we did. You want to simplify it, but you know, the media is always looking for a story. Was just tell me how great it is going up against Mahomes. And, and, and Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. He's an all-time great quarterback. And when it's all said and done, he might be the all-time great quarterback. But I know that if I just lost to him in the Super Bowl, I really don't want to sing his praises. I, I want to give them credit for them beating us. And I know how great he is, but don't put me on the spot and go like, in that moment when he had the ball with time, little time left, did you guys think we left too much time on the clock? Of course you did. Of course you did. You and I talked about that, and I said, what, what, what was Mo's nightmare scenario? That we score late, and there's time left on the clock for that guy. And, and more than anything, I was like, no, man. You go for it on fourth down because that guy's trying to score a touchdown. He's trying to beat you. And overtime, honestly, Chris, when they were where they were, and I think it was like fourth and three, I'm not kicking the field goal. I'm not kicking the field goal for two reasons. One, I know Mahomes is going to go for the throat, but more importantly, for the better part of the fourth quarter, my defense has struggled to stop them. We had struggled to stop them. They were moving the football. And, and it was smart to actually take the ball first because – they had just scored on the defense. The defense was worn down. But you knew coming in, like, they had adjusted to Steve Wilkes' defense. They had adjusted to Steve Wilkes' defense. And I thought they were getting the better of them with the crossing routes. Um, and, look, there's no secret. People have always criticized the defense in this way, is that when you go to the line of scrimmage, the Niners show you what you're, they're going to do. They don't disguise anything. But – what I didn't understand about him in that situation in the overtime, why are you going to a soft zone? Why are you conceding yards to that guy? Like if he's going to beat me, go zero and make him throw a great throw, but to concede and cause he'll eat you alive, which is what he did. And then when he didn't eat you alive, you, you tried to overpressure and you lost your discipline and your rush lanes. And then he guts you with a 15 or 20 yard run. And, 
as it's playing out, Chris, as it's playing out in the moment, I'm sitting there and going like, yeah, we're going to lose. We're, we're, we're going to lose. Not, not like I had given up, but you see it playing out. Even, even late in uh, when you go into the overtime and they're in the red zone, I felt like the Niners defense was, they looked like they were just worn out. They didn't know what was coming and the chiefs were just eating them up. It, it, they'd done it all second half with the motion and the crossing routes. They, they were going high leverage and these guys were just undercutting them and getting separation and they never adjusted to that. And that, that to me, we can talk about players, but that is coaching. That is coaching. And I just, I felt like to credit Andy Reed to credit Spagnola, they outcoached their counterparts. Let's start with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was 23 for 38, 255, touchdown, didn't turn the football over, Mo. There were moments where he needed a drive. I mean, there were if you think if you look at the third quarter as a whole, I think he came out flat in the third quarter. I think his offense in general came out flat in the third quarter. But to Brock Purdy's credit, he played a great fourth quarter. He played a great overtime Brock Purdy in my opinion did everything that he needed to do to put his team in a spot to win this game now you can say things like he needed to find the end zone on one drive or two drives when they got field goals and they didn't get the end zone sure you can say those things but when they needed a drive and they needed points Purdy took them on a drive and Purdy got them points that's what you need from your quarterback I don't think Brock Purdy is anywhere near Patrick Mahomes. That's okay, though. I don't think many quarterbacks are anywhere near Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. But what Brock Purdy did was he went back and forth with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, and this happens a lot of time in the NFL, the quarterback who got the ball last was the quarterback who won the game. And in this situation, it was Patrick Mahomes. So for me, Mo. I walk away from the Super Bowl. My first takeaway is no, we, we're, we're done. We're, we're done talking anything negative about Brock Purdy going into next season. He did everything he you. needed to do in this game. Yes, he played a bad third quarter, but a bad third quarter in the sense of the offense didn't do much. Not a bad third quarter Great. in the sense of he was turning the ball over or he was overthrowing people or no, he just, the offense didn't do much in the third quarter. So, I think Brock Purdy did what he needed to do to cement himself as what he is a uh, top half quarterback in this league, potentially a top 10 quarterback in this league. And I think we move forward with the Brock Purdy conversation of we're good. We're good. We, we don't need to disrespect Brock Purdy anymore. No, I'm, I'm with you. He, he's just a good football player. Um, I, I was disappointed that they didn't get touchdowns, but I didn't say that had nothing to do with Brock's ability as a leader um, there were a couple of plays where he moved the pocket, climbed it, and then made great throws. Like, did he did he struggle in the third? He did, but I want to credit that more to Spagnola's defense. Look, the Kansas City's defense, I, I kept telling people coming into this football game, their defense doesn't have the name recognition, but it's a better defense than the Niners' defense. It is a faster defense, it's a more disciplined defense. And I, I thought that a, what I what I didn't understand with Shanahan was he was really trying to force the ball in different situations to Debo, and I didn't understand that. I didn't. I do think you want to get the ball to Debo, but you don't want to try to force it to him. I, I keep I've been telling people this for the better part of three years. Debo's a terrific football player. He's a great playmaker. He's not a great route receiver. He's not a great route runner. George Kittle is one of the best vertical threat tight ends in football he's by far the best blocking tight end in football but he's not a great route runner and i thought the chiefs defense especially their secondary with their speed the first thing you realize every time he looked to kittle and debo is they got zero separation they couldn't and i kept thinking why are you running deep crossing routes with debo he's not he's not a burner he's not that kind of wide receiver he's not going to get separation um that those those cornerbacks and those safeties, their speed and their discipline, that that really blew me away. I didn't I knew their linebackers were good, Chris, but their side to side speed really impressed me. I thought 
yes, you want to toss the ball to CMC and see if he can get the corner, but they their ability to move side to side as a unit, it, it was impressive. Like, like you said, look, I don't want to get off track. I thought Brock Purdy solidified himself in the biggest game on the biggest stage as the guy going forward. You can you can make um you can question maybe where other guys may or may not be on both sides of the football, but you don't question your quarterback. I think I think we're set with our quarterback. I think Brock's a good football player. And because he's as young as he is, let's not forget, could he develop and become an even better quarterback? No question. So I I think he put to bed this idea that he's a fluke or he's a one-off or he's a game manager. He's just a good football player. Well, let's talk a little bit about the San Francisco defense. They definitely played above their skis in the first half of that game. Uh, whatever they saw matchup-wise, what, however it is that they prepared, everything was hitting. Uh, Mahomes and we're and we're we're going to discuss this later on. Uh, if there is one thing that Tony Romo said correctly in that game last night. It was the fact that he continuously pointed out the integrity of the San Francisco 49ers defense and maintaining their spots to not allow Mahomes to get to the outside. And that is something they consistently did throughout the entire game, not Both just the great. first, not just the first half. Um, but particularly in the first half, where they were also getting to him. So it wasn't just they were ma- maintaining the lanes so you couldn't get to the outside. They were also hitting him continuously in the first half, which obviously was throwing off the timing of the Chiefs offense, threw off Mahomes' timing a little bit. Uh, you saw the interception from Mahomes. That was just a situation where he, he got hit. Uh, he thought something was going to be there. He tried to hang on too long. He got hit. It flew a little high on him. Then Kelsey starts to cook. And once Kelsey starts to cook, you can see how important Kelsey is to that Kansas City offense because once he gets going, everything else around him gets going. So, Mo, this is actually going to be a two-fold conversation, the Niners' defense, the Chiefs' offense. And I think the real story here is there was no plan for the Niners if Kelsey got going. They did a great job of not getting him going in the first half. One catch, one yard at the half. They locked down Kelsey. Obviously, he was going to get his touches. Obviously, Mahomes was going to keep going his way. He did to the tune of eight catches in the second half. But once it got going, the Niners didn't really have an answer to stop him. Once the Chiefs kind of figured out what they were doing initially with Kelsey, and they changed it up on their end, there was never really a true counterpunch from the Niners on defense on their end. Yes, they maintained their lanes the entire second half. Yes, they still got some pressure on Mahomes the entire second half. But, Mo, I was waiting to see the adjustment of, okay, you know, we're midway through the third quarter. We're three-quarters of the way through the third quarter. Kelsey's got four catches now. They're leaning on Travis a little bit. What what is the Niners defense going to do to counter what the Chiefs just did to counter? And it just never happened. I I'm watching the game and I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, Steve Wilkes, they're they're running trip sets and then they're running Kelsey on crossing routes, or they're creating a matchup where Kelsey can get lined up on a linebacker. And even though Warner's a terrific football player, that's a mismatch. There was one big play in the third quarter where Warner played high side leverage and Kelsey hit him with a hesitation move and just blew past him. And he, I think he picked up like 25 or 30 yards on that play. Yeah, that and was that the was one such, down the sideline. That was right, a big one. That, and, and, and Warner just over leveraged and went high side. And I don't know if he thought he had help underneath. And maybe that's that's one of those things where you do miss a, 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 a Trey Greenlaw, right? You miss, you miss Trey Greenlaw because – Greenlaw's terrific in zone coverage. He's he's he moves well in space, and and maybe that was a big difference maker. But that play right there, I thought that energized them. And like you said, once Kelsey started going, they built off of that. 
suddenly the, the receivers started making plays, right? Pacheco was running, not, not getting long runs, but effective runs, three yards, five yards. Um, their offense opened up, and I kept looking at Steve Wilkes going, okay, this is where you make an adjustment, and you become a little bit more aggressive. And he he did try to become aggressive, but he, he, it was always at the wrong time. Um, and you could see that Steve Wilkes and Shanahan weren't on the same play because there were a couple times they called timeouts, and it was because Shanahan didn't like where he what, what the defense was doing. And he went over, and I think he really just vetoed what, what Steve Wilkes was calling. and was like, look, man, the soft zone isn't working, which I agree with. Here's the problem. And, it, and it's nothing you – your personnel is your personnel. The Niners, they're, they're, they're secondary. They're not built to play zero coverage. That's mm-hmm. not their strength. They're not built to play man coverage. And I, I know what they were trying to do, desperate times, desperate measures. Uh, but they, I, I really just thought at that point that Wilkes on defense just kind of lost the game, and he looked lost. And you're right. Look, I thought Bosa was terrific in staying in his lanes and showing discipline and not letting Mahomes get outside of him and making Mahomes backpedal, uh, making where Mahomes couldn't like plant or throw from his strong side. What I what I didn't understand though is that I would have. I would have had more zone blitzes. I would have mixed it up. I, I would have done something other than playing e- because they they did two things, Chris. It was soft zone cover two, or they went zero, and they just didn't they they didn't hit on any of that. Once once Reed figured out if I go trips high or I do motion to see what they're in, I can go crossing routes, and and it's not illegal because all teams do it. They do these little rub screens. The Chiefs might do it better than most people. And the 49ers could never, they could not slow down any of the crossing routes. They they were there the rest of the entire game. And that's why when we went into overtime, I was sitting there like, we have to score a touchdown. We have to. Because if we score a touchdown, it changes the situation and puts more pressure on them. When we kicked the field goal, I'm sure a lot of people were cheering. My head went down. My head went down. Because I, 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 I kid you not, I knew what was coming. My head went down, and um, and and look, it played out that way. Now we could get into the little bitty things, right? Because games can turn on little things. We can get into the muff punt, the fumbled punt. That was big, no, no question. That's a, it happens, man. I, but it's not one of those games where Kansas City didn't win it. You know what I mean? And you can say, well, the 49ers lost it. I was like, no, I felt like the Chiefs won it. I felt like the Chiefs won it. Like, there's a reason why this team has been living in the Super Bowl, dominating the AFC. It's not an accident. Um, and to go back to your earlier point, you you don't know when you're going to be back unless you're Kansas City. They seem to be there quite frequently. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have JG on. Uh, we're going to do. So we're going to continue. We got a lot of Super Bowl talk to go with today. So we're going to bring JG in to be a part of our Super Bowl discussion. Uh, All that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Coffee and sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. right we have merch make sure you get the merch jg how are you this morning sir doing good how are you guys doing this morning doing well doing well jg gonna continue the super bowl conversation with you here sir so gentlemen a lot of talk was made on the broadcast when moody misses the kick and i get that because in the moment it's a big deal three points and four points is obviously a big deal in a football game but JG, we'll start with you. When the missed kick happens that early on in the second half, there's so much that happens after the kick. There comes a point where you can't go back and talk about the missed kick. Obviously, you want the extra point. And obviously, you know, in overtime, and there's some situations where the extra point 
would have made a difference. But it happened so early in the second half compared to the four or five or six major things that happened after that. You could easily point out eight different things in this game and say, well, if that didn't go that way, it would be a different situation. And for me, I put the missed extra point in that category. It's different if it happens before the last drive of the game. And now you're talking the difference between needing a touchdown, needing a field goal to either win the game or go to overtime. But that wasn't what it was. There was a lot of scoring that took place between that missed kick and the actual end of the football game. So, JG, for me, I'm not really talking missed kick this morning as one of my major storylines in the Super Bowl. Where do you sit with that? I mean, it it, it didn't – It yeah, as far as you could say momentum-wise, it, it was a, a factor. It usually is. A missed field goal – because that's you're leaving out points, no matter if it's an extra point or an actual field goal, three points. It, it, it does hurt momentum because one, you're giving, you know, you're able to to at least give some hope to the defense in that aspect of okay, you know what? Hey, we we didn't give up those points. We can build. And when you go to the offense, you go to the, your offense and say, hey, it's your turn now. Go do something. Go help. Go do, get, give us a chance. One, give us a breather. But at the same time, go go give us an opportunity to get uh, to to at least build our confidence and build the team's confidence and go. So, could it could you say that was a factor uh, in the result? Maybe uh, as far as momentum, because again, depends on who you ask. Because there's a lot of people in sports who think momentum is not real. There's a lot of people in sports who believe momentum is a huge deal. So it depends on the on, on how you view that side of things in sports where you have momentum build up versus losing momentum in, in that aspect of. So, and at the same time, if you miss points against the chiefs, we've seen numerous times over the years of Pat Mahomes' career, any chance you give an opportunity for the chiefs offense, you you're going to pay. You have to capitalize against this team, no matter who's that wide receiver, whether it's Ty Hill and, and Marcus Robinson, or if it's Kadarius Tony and Marcus Valdez Scantling, you still have number 15 under center for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is the difference maker. So if you have to, if you get a chance to put points up, you have to do it. You cannot let this team build confidence. And that's exactly what happened for the Chiefs uh, in the Super Bowl. Mo, for me, and maybe you felt that maybe you had this same realization because when I had it, I literally thought of you. I'm sitting there, it's like the middle of the third quarter. And in your mind, you're like, man, San Francisco is doing everything right. They're doing everything they need to do to win this football game. But you look up and it's a one score game. And then in that moment, you're like, damn, that's not enough. This needs to be at this point, a two or three score game, just because of how the game feels right. Mo, you felt like they had built up a couple score lead and you look up mid third quarter. It's a one score game. Kansas city's driving and you're like, we're about to see the entire game turn on its head here. If they just score on this drive, Mo, it, was it missed opportunity early? Because you can look at it and you can be like, well, there wasn't any turnovers and or, or anything like that. And I go, I, I get that. But, you know, they did have the fumble early, right? And they did have the drive go deep into Chiefs. Uh, territory that got pushed back with some negative plays that led to a field goal and not a touchdown. And maybe those are the missed opportunities. Not necessarily they turned the ball over or had bad plays, Mo, but if it feels like you're dominating the game and it feels like you're in control, but you're only up by seven, that's not enough against Kansas City, right? It's not. And and I, I really felt like looking up that we needed a cushion. I thought the Niners needed a 14, 13, 14 point cushion just because of how the game was flowing. Um, you're right. It it felt like they were in control, but when you looked at the scoreboard, you were like, the Chiefs are right there. And and that's credit to Spags and that Kansas City defense. Like, as well as the Niners defense played, Kansas City's defense was lights out. They were even better. I I thought the kick, the missed kick was key because it did change situations. I know that a lot happened afterwards, but remember, late in the game, it's 16-16. The Niners are driving. They actually go for it on a fourth down. Remember, they get it to Kittle, and he, he – he, so I'm thinking we're going for it. They know what's going on. We're in the red zone. It's a third and four, and they go to a timeout, and I'm thinking, coming back out of the timeout, I'm like, 
all right, Shanahan, you're an office of genius. Everybody gives you all this credit for designing all these amazing plays. This is the play call of your career. It's third and four. You got you you need to get this first down. For one, remember what they said about the situation. If they got the first down, they would essentially be able to run out the clock because Kansas City would have to use their timeouts. Completely changes the football game. Completely changes it. And on third and four, he runs some some I, I don't know. It was a really stupid play where he ran somebody by in motion and Kansas City was coming to Spag's credit. And obviously we didn't get it. And, and, and that changes it. We kicked the field goal. And I'm like, not only did we get the first down to run our clock, we kicked the field goal and there's plenty of time left on the clock for, you know, who, and, and, and that's, that's situational football that that can make or break you. And in situational football, Cal Shanahan, Cal Shanahan is not good at situational football. Never has been. JG, obviously hindsight is 2020. But as you're watching the game and you see the Niners win the toss in overtime, is there any part of you in that moment that thinks they should have deferred? Because you know, you you, you just saw what Mahomes did. You, you know what Mahomes does, right? You know that if you take the ball first, no matter what you do, you're putting the ball back in Mahomes' hands to do something. Whether it's, whether it's go down and kick a field goal to tie the game, whether it's go to go down and score a touchdown to win the game, no matter what you do, you know you're going to see the ball in Mahomes' hands again. With that knowledge, would it have made more sense to say, take the ball first, let Purdy potentially have the ball last, let's see what you do, and we'll go from there, or do you look at it the way the broadcast said, which was, well, maybe they're giving the defense a chance to rest. Because let's be honest, the defense wasn't looking so hot against Mahomes and company leading up to that point. And you don't want to just let Mahomes march down the field five or six plays, put it in the end zone because your defense is gassed. And now you need a touchdown against a defense that has been picking it up the entire second half. Where did you stand on the initial decision? I know we can sit here and look at it now and be like, well, they should have deferred. But in the moment, were you like, I get it, and you were okay with it? A hundred percent. Because as you just said, you just gave up a drive that tied the game and put it into overtime. So, and it was a, in a decent, I know it was a fast, it was two minutes, you know, so uh, on the clock, but it was still, as far as real time, it was quite a bit of time that it was going on. So your defense was a little bit gassed. And at the same time, it's a little demoralized. You just gave up the game tying field goal. So I agreed with the decisions to put the ball on your on your offense to let your defense recollect themselves, regroup, refocus, and be ready to go when it's their turn to get uh, to be on the field. At the same time, I know we can praise and and I listen to you guys praise about Brock Purdy and saying that hey, there's no more questions about Brock Purdy. I agree. Brock Purdy has earned every opportunity that he has gotten and he has earned the respect of the NFL at this point. But, but we haven't seen him have to make a drive in the biggest games that, uh, it, it, that are there. We haven't seen that, you know, so do you really want to, at this point right now, it's his career. It's still so early in his career. Do we want to say you have to give a game winning drive in the Super Bowl? If you, because if we put it, if we defer, Let's just say Chiefs do what they just did. They scored a touchdown. Now you're having to put the pressure all on Brock Purdy to go in and match that drive. I don't think at this point he – I'm being – again, just trying not to be uh, unfair to him at this point, but I don't think he's quite ready for that moment just yet. He will be as he continues to grow and develop as a quarterback in the NFL, but he's still a young quarterback. He is still learning how to be a quarterback in the NFL, even though he's been very successful from the very beginning. But that is a moment that you have to be 100% certain and 100% confident and 100% trust, uh, trustful to your quarterback to handle that position. And I don't think and I, I don't think that was quite the moment just yet. At some point, you have to. I agree. At some point, you have to say, Brock, Here's you, here's your chance. I need a game winning drive in the biggest moment on the biggest stage with the biggest crowds and the biggest TV uh, uh, audience there is. Go win us a game. But I think at the moment you have to one let your defense rest and regroup. But at the same time, 
trust your offense to put pressure on Kansas City. They were driving because they, they, they were there. They had a chance. And, again, if they were able to block Chris Jones on that third down for a split second longer, they scored a touchdown. They scored the touchdown because they had uh, – he had uh, – I think it was Ayuk. He had Ayuk open, and he had to rush the throw because Chris Jones just absolutely uh, broke through and, and, and got, to, got to Brock as quick as possible. If they had a split second longer, they scored a touchdown. So he made the drive to put pressure on Kansas City. But I think in an aspect of it, I think the right decision was made. Don't have to put that all the pressure on the world, all the pressure of the game on Brock to match Pat Mahomes. Go and do what he's been doing his entire career. Just set the tone. And that's what they did. And, and you know, they, they were able to get points on the board at that point. It was a right call. You just had number 15 on the side that was just showing greatness. And, JG, Mo alluded to it earlier, and I want to get your take on it. Once you get down there, you're in field goal range. It's a short th- uh, fourth down situation. Do you go for broke and do you try to put it in the end zone on fourth down or do you take the points? Because no. you know you're you know you're giving the ball back to Mahomes and you know who he is and you know what he's probably going to do. Do you need the touchdown in that moment or do you trust your defense and say because let's be honest, if you go for the touchdown and you don't get it, it's because you didn't trust your defense. So that's a message you're sending to your defense. If you don't, right. If you, if you go, if you don't go for a field goal there, regardless of what happens next before the play is even run, you don't trust your defense to stop Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's the mindset in today's NFL anymore because everybody, everybody goes for two. And it's not necessarily, it's more of saying I'm going for two to win the game. And if I don't get it, guess what? I do trust my defense to hold them. I think that's the mindset in today's NFL. 15 years ago, 100%. 100% that was probably the idea. I've got to go for a touchdown because I don't think my defense is going to shut them down. But in today's NFL where everybody's everybody goes for two, no matter when, no matter where, no matter why, no matter how, they always they're always saying, "Well, hey, we're going for two, we're going for the win. If we don't get it, I have a good defense on the other side that's going to slow down and stop it." So I think that's I, I think that's a different I think that's the old school mindset in, uh, that is no longer existing in today's NFL. I, I I do think, though, that was the right call to go for points because, again, you have number 15 and you have a really good kicker on the other side and Harrison Butker as well, that if you get in the field goal range, he's been automatic in postseason play throughout his career. And he was four for four that night. There you go. So I, you needed points and give your, to, put pre- to continue putting pressure on the Chiefs to, do, to have to either match and kick a field goal or put a ball in the end zone. So, I, you know, again, hindsight and all that, I, I get it. I just – I think Kyle Shanahan made the right decisions throughout the game. The Chiefs just had number 15 and Andy Reid on the other sideline that that matched them and was better than them. I, I would just push back on this. Going for the three, yeah, it, it says you don't trust your defense. Oh, well, they, they weren't stopping them. And my <laughs> – no, I'm just saying. No, I got let's you. be I got let, let's let let's just be real. They weren't stopping them. And at a minimum, let me keep it 100. At a minimum, when Kansas City got the ball back, at a minimum, they're getting a field goal, right? They're getting a field goal. So all, all you were playing for basically is to continue continue the game. My point is, it was like fourth and three, and you're in the red zone, and you know who you're playing. I would have went for it. If you if you don't make it, you don't make it. If your defense doesn't stop them. They weren't stopping them anyway. It, it, it wouldn't change nothing for me. They weren't stopping them anyway. Like, why not go for the touchdown? You're supposed to be this great, brilliant offensive mind. And in the two biggest drives of your career, you come up empty with the play call. Like that third, that third and four, that that wasn't just to score points. That wasn't just to score points. And, and I don't know if JG remembers the situation, but that literally seals the game if you get that that four yards. Never mm-hmm. mind. I, I don't know. Now you can't guarantee your kicker makes the kick, but you're well inside the 20 and you get to milk out the entire clock. And you can't design that play, that one play. Look, uh, my, my frustration with Shanahan is what I don't understand is in that kind of football game, and because it, it wasn't a high scoring football game, you come out in the second half. And your your first offensive possessions twice, they're all passes. 
They're all mm-hmm. passes. They're all passes in that football game because it was smash mouth. CMC, you carry the ball 30, 35 times. And I don't care if he averaged three and a half yards or four yards, but in that football game, he should have carried the ball at least that many times. This guy comes out and he concedes the line of scrimmage and throws passes. And they're not just passes, they're bad passes because he's he's trying to do that stuff where it looked like it's a jet sweep. The problem is when you do that and you bring somebody across immediately when the defense is going vertical and flat, you don't have to worry about that guy. And they just blew up everything over and over. And he kept doing that. Like how many times during that game did Brock Purdy do play action, but it was the bootleg play action. And every time he did it, a chief was right in his face where he had to throw the ball immediately. He couldn't plant because his coach was calling stupid plays. JG, before we get you out of here, I want to talk about something that, I don't think it's going to get talked about a lot today because the Chiefs won the game. And that is the incident on the sideline between Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. Now, obviously, maybe it looked worse on camera, but I think it's very hard to look at that situation and not say that one, Andy Reid was completely startled, he was unaware that Kelsey was coming in hot Two, Kelsey definitely got a little physical with his coach. Not saying he was going to hurt him, but you know, Andy Reid is, is, isn't a young chicken out there. He's not 30 years old. Uh, he definitely bumped him a little bit. Three, there was definitely a chiefs player. I believe it was McKinnon that was pulling Kelsey away yeah. from Reed in that situation. So there was a third party that was witnessing the entire thing and felt like he needed to pull Kelsey away from the head coach in that situation for whatever he felt was going to happen. And I'm not, I I don't want this conversation to take a turn, but I I am going to open that door because I'm going to tell you about a tweet that was made last night from another NFL player. And I think, I think it's valid for this conversation. I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, but the, the young man from the Eagles, remind me of his name. It's not Smith. It's their other receiver. Oh. Uh, not, not AJ, huh? AJ, not AJ. Yeah, AJ, AJ Brown. Yep, AJ Brown tweeted right after the incident, if I did that, they would have kicked me out of the whole damn league. And it's, again, I, I don't want to fully open that conversation. I don't know about but that. But I look at it, and yeah, in the moment, they talked about Travis a little bit during the halftime show. I believe Boomer Asiasin, wow, called out Travis Kelsey and said that wasn't appropriate. But again, they go on. They look great in the second half. Kelsey has a big game. They win the Super Bowl. I'm looking at some of the conversations on morning talk shows this morning. Guess what we're not talking about? Travis Kelsey getting physical with his head coach. JG, is it a heat of the moment thing? Is it just it, it looked bad on camera, but it wasn't that big of a deal? Where where do you sit with it? Because you've been around players, you coach players, you were a player, you know the heat of the moment, you know the frustration. And he was frustrated. He was frustrated because he wasn't in the game and they kept pulling him out randomly during that first half. And there were a couple things that happened during the first half when he was out that he felt probably wouldn't have happened if he was just on the damn field. And clearly he felt he should have been on the field. So you can see why he was frustrated. But at the same time, man, coming at the coach like that, that fired up. It it, it was terrible optics. Is it just a situation of bad optics? Where where do you sit with it? You can be frustrated and still keep your cool. Right. That that so I, I no I I I don't condone what he did. You you can be frustrated, but you don't put hands on anybody, especially your head coach. We've seen it before. Again, that's why we've seen it. And I and I I'm I'm, I'm trying. I, I I know AJ Brown's kind of, uh, tweet. I'm I'm really not going to try to touch that one. But we have seen numerous times. Players lose their cool. We have seen at times players, you know, kind of shove position coaches uh, on the sidelines. We've never really seen anybody go after the head coach like this, you know, and it's you know very often. And at the same time, 
like, like I said, there's there's so many different, better ways to go about it, especially someone who's a veteran, mm-hmm. who is who's Hall of Fame bound at some point when he retires, and you have this outburst because you're frustrated. No, I, I, no, I, that's an excuse. I, I, and and I, I, it does bother me, and I, I I hear you that it's not being talked about. That bothers me. It, because just because the Chiefs won the game, that because I, I do think that if the Chiefs would have lost, this would have been a bigger issue. This would have been sure. talked about more. This would have been uh, highlighted. It would have been it would have been you know uh, on a microscope as much as you could think of. But because they win, it, it, it gets blown away. No, it, it doesn't. And I think this is something that it does need to be addressed and talked about. It needs to be, and it actually needs to be talked about a lot more because. That behavior, I don't care who you are. I don't care that you're the best tight end. I don't care you're the best receiver. I don't care that you're the best quarterback. I don't care who you are in this in this sport or any sport there is. You don't put hands, bump it. And I'm not sitting here saying he put hands like, you know, about to throw a punch. But he did bump. He you body body checked, you know, uh, uh, hockey body check, if you will, into Andy Reid. That absolutely caught him off guard. There's no, there, there's no, there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. You can be frustrated. Go to your position coach. Go to your OC. Go to and then go to Andy at some point when the defense is on the field and say, "Hey, why am I not on the field in this?" There are so many better ways to handle yourself as a professional on the biggest stage with so many cameras on you. You don't think that anybody was going to see that? And 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 that's why again, I kind of it does bother me. And I I'll say this: I, to an agreeing of and AJ Brown. It would be talked. I wouldn't say. I'm not going to say that he would have been thrown out of the stadium. Right. But if, right. but even if the Eagles would, if the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and he does that to Sirianni, and the Eagles still win, that is still a talking point on ESPN. It's still a oh, talking yeah. point on Fox Sports. It's still a talking point on CBS Sports. We would still be talking about that and saying AJ Brown lost his cool. And I think that's where I say he is. He is fair in his in his comment on Twitter that it would be talked about. And we're not talking about this with Travis Kelsey. And I'm trying really hard not to hope, you know, not to say potentially why it's not my place, but I do agree that there is a double standard in the situation that why Kelsey is not being uh, talked about. And I think that's unfair in the situation. He absolutely needs, needs to be talked about. It needs to be ridiculed for his behavior on the, on that stage. At the same time, I hope there's a fine in, in place that, that goes to Kelsey because you don't do that. You are a veteran Hall of Fame tight end. You need to conduct yourself in a much better way of, in, in, around your head coach, around your team, to compose yourself on the biggest stage, and he did not do that. He failed in that prospect in that aspect of. Well, let's take A.J. Brown out of it, and let's just <laughs> insert diva, perceived diva wide receiver. So <laughs> now it could be A.J. Brown. It could be Stefan Diggs. It could be any other receiver that has that persona, fair or not fair. If they did it, I agree with JG. It would still be a talking point this morning. If that's Buffalo and Buffalo wins the Super Bowl and Stefan Diggs halfway through that game bodies up their head coach, McDermott, I think we're still talking about it this morning. No question. If A.J. Brown bodies up Nick Sirianni, I think we're still talking about it this morning. And I don't know if it's just because that's not usually Travis's MO, even though he has been throwing helmets recently. And that also happened. That wasn't caught on camera. But the broadcast booth alluded to the fact that prior to the body bump, he did chuck his helmet somewhere again. So... This, this was this wasn't just a I'm standing next to Coach Reed, I see something happen. He's right there. I explode in the moment. He already exploded somewhere else on the sideline, chucked a helmet, and then went to find Coach Reed to confront him about it during the game. Mo, so this isn't just a split second. I lost my cool. There was at least a what 10, 15, 20 second build up to this. From the helmet chuck to going to finding Reed to having that interaction. So I don't, and I'll just say it, I don't want to get into a race conversation because I don't think that's what it is. But I do think there is a double standard. I think that there is a perception amongst certain players in the league. And because of that perception, they would be totally raked over the coals for this. 
I think that for whatever reason, even though Kelsey exhibits similar actions, he doesn't have that perception. So as a result, people are just like, eh, heat of the moment. And it's heated a moment and he's a competitor, right? That's the line. Um, or to me, look, Kelsey's obviously a, a media darling, right? They love him. They love they love the story um with him and his brother, both great players. But when that happened, I was sitting there like somebody on the team should check him. Somebody get, get to Kelsey, because you could tell like Reed almost lost his balance on the encounter. Like it was you look, and I, and I don't care if your coach is 35 years old, um, but Andy Reid happens to be in his mid to late 60s. Somewhere and around you build up momentum and you blindside the guy. And he, he, he almost he almost goes, he almost loses it a little bit. And I, I just thought in that moment, you can't give me the excuse that I'm frustrated. In that moment, if the game's not going your way, you're not the only person on your team that's frustrated. Well, why are you putting hands on your coach? Well, not hands on your coach, but why are you being physical with your coach? Maybe I don't know if Reed called a play that didn't work, or maybe Reed called Kelsey out because he missed a block. I don't I don't know what the situation was, but whatever it was, he's the head coach. You're the player. If you disagree with him, you can have a conversation, or to JG's point, go to your positions coach and go, Why is this guy calling that that particular play? He knows I don't like that route, whatever the case may be. I just thought in that moment, that was a bad look. That was a terrible moment. And you're right, it never got mentioned post-game, did it? Like, I don't think they brought it up. Nobody asked because I was like, I was waiting. Like, I want to see what Kelsey says. And my guess is had they brought it up to him, which they didn't, he would have said something like, I don't want to talk about that now. I want to talk about Chiefs Kingdom or something like that. And he would just blew it off. But he should be held accountable for his actions. Um, JG's right. There is a double standard. Uh, I don't want to – A.J. Brown is right. Had it been him, had it been Tyreek Hill, had it been anybody else um, like that, we would still be talking about it today. The lead would have been the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and how great they are and how great Patrick Mahomes is. And then after that, we would have been talking about that situation still. 100%. Real quick, though, real, and kind of the side point, and I, like I said, I know we don't want to bring race in. But we don't have a choice when when characteristics are skewed one way or another. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what you know, Travis Kelsey, and we say we say this about quarterbacks. This is the thing too. We say this about quarterbacks too. When Tom Brady, you know, has his antics on the sideline for so many years, that's a competitor. Passionate. When a when it, passionate, he's competitive. He's fiery. And then when you have. Lamar, you know, Pat Mahomes, let's just say Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Donovan McNabb, you know, any being being over the top. So we have the pos- the positive characteristics and the negative characteristics. Wide receiver, diva receiver. Why is that not being used about Travis Kelsey? Even though I know he's diva tight end. Because this is not the first time we talk about, you know, the helmet throws. We've heard so many times. How many times have we heard about Travis Kelsey getting in fights during uh, training camp? Mm-hmm. How many times we hear about Travis Kelsey just basically making comments saying, well, I want the ball. Give me the ball. I want the ball. Is, is it no different than Odell Beckham doing that? Is it no different than Ty Hill? Is it no different than Randy Moss? Is it no different than Terrell Owens? No, I, to me, there's no difference between the two. There's no difference to what Travis Kelsey does and acts versus comparing to what Odell Beckham and, and Tara Lowens and those guys do. There's no difference. So why is he not being characterized as a diva? And what he did in the Super Bowl, no, none of the guys I just mentioned ever did that. Correct. They never acted that way. Or do I think they ever would? I don't think yeah. Tara Owens would ever put his hands or body on a head coach. Yeah. Terrell got into faces. He got into screaming matches, but he never got physical on the sideline. He never nope. put hands on or bumped into anybody. So why is – I do have to ask that question. Why is Kelsey getting a pass? Why is he not being characterized just like the receivers that people continue to say are that I, – I, I think the opposite, though. I think the opposite. When guys are like that, they, I want the ball. Okay, I'm a first base. I play first base in, in, in baseball. You mean to sit here and tell me, hey, I want every ground ball. I want or I want every throw coming. I don't want any. I I told my pitchers at times, don't I don't want fly balls to my outfielders. I want to be involved. Get the ground ball. Give me my ground ball and get me the ball here. I want does that make me 
selfish? Sure it does. Absolutely. But in my own mind, I thought, well, if I get a ground ball, I'm making the play. It's going to help my team. All those guys, when they sit there and say, I want the ball, I want the ball, I want the ball, it's because they know, hey, guess what? I'm the best receiver on the field. I'm the best player on the field. My chances of our chances of winning increase when I get the ball. That's competitiveness. That's fire. That's I mean, okay. So what if what if we had receivers go, I don't want the ball? Hmm. Don't throw it to me. Lazy, not in it, not invested. They're, right. Yeah. Right. So if we're going to characterize negatively about guys who are divas, Travis Kelsey needs that same type because he has been this way his entire career. And I'm sorry, didn't he do a reality show at one point? Yeah, he did. Isn't that not a diva? Right. Isn't that right. not a diva? Right. He it. did a freaking dating reality show. Did I don't? Please correct me if I'm wrong. Did Terrell Owens ever do something? Like, no. No. Randy Moss? No. <laughs> Odell Beckham? No. So, my God, why isn't Kelsey getting the, 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 the title of diva when he's done things that divas do? I, I don't uh, – so, uh, no, it – I hope I hope it gets I hope it does get uh, talked about. I hope it doesn't get um, you know swept under the rug, at, you know just because they won. And he needs to be criticized more and more than anybody that we've just named because of doing something that guys do not do on the sidelines. JG, we appreciate you having on the uh, having you on the no show question. this morning, no sir. Question. We are going to talk baseball tomorrow. I promise. That, hey, spring training reporting on Wednesday. Baseball That's season's right. finally here. It's here. It's here, baby. All right, JG, have a good day, sir. Appreciate it, y'all as well. Mo, before we get out of here, before we close it out, and we're going to continue talking Super Bowl tomorrow. This, this wasn't just a one-day conversation. I was I, – I mean, I, as I'm about to say it, I can't believe I'm saying it. And I literally stood up off the couch. And my wife was like, "What? what, what is the big deal? I cannot believe that Tony Romo worked Josh Allen's name into that game twice last night. <laughs> twice. He mentioned to get Josh Allen into the game twice. And the first time was the most ridiculous thing ever because he's literally sitting here like, I've seen Chris Jones do that to do that to two quarterbacks now. Uh, because was, Chris Jones rushed and forced a bad throw, and there wasn't a touchdown as a result of it. And, and I literally, when he said that, I turned to my wife and I go, what a freaking idiot. He's done it twice tonight to the same quarterback. Why are you saying you've seen him do it to two quarterbacks, Romo? And then he goes, and he did it to Josh Allen. I'm like, no, he did not. He did not just find a way to put Josh Allen into this broadcast for the most meaningless reason ever mo he can't help himself it's like built into his dna he has to talk about josh allen and then he mentioned like six minutes later for no reason mo i can't his love for josh allen i can't do it anymore i can't it it is devotion it is a it's a commitment um Twice. I I laugh, I laugh I laugh the first time and I thought maybe it's a fluke but he did manage to do it again <laughs> and I and I just I just laughed and I don't even think he, I, you know what I'm, I'm gonna be honest I don't think he even realizes it I don't I think he, I, I think he mentions Josh Allen in every conversation I think he's watching his kids play ball and he's like man you got an arm like Josh Allen right, I think he's right. watching I think he goes to training camps and he's like oh man you got legs like Josh like I think he just works Josh Allen. Oh, you like vanilla frosting too? So does Josh so does Allen. Josh Allen, right? <laughs> he just it, works it, into it, every conversation. It's ingrained in his DNA. I'm with you 100 percent on that. He is. He is. He really needs to be Josh Allen's agent. He does. He does. I think that's a nice, nice segue for him to leave the booth and to really continue his football uh, career. And he can do that side by side with his idol, Josh Allen, every day, every day. Mo, close us out, sir. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Thank you guys for up, the, up in the chat. We appreciate you. Check out all the great content that we have to offer on Sports Empire Network. Check out the Empire. Hey, you better be back here tomorrow. We got more Super Bowl stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey not retiring. 
we got a hit on the Nickelodeon Super Bowl broadcast. That yeah. was incredible. Uh, we have the halftime show to break down. We have Super Bowl commercials to discuss. We got some stuff to talk about to a tongue of Iowa, not just his uh, Super Bowl commercial, uh, but we got some other Tua stuff to talk about. All of that and more tomorrow here on Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show powered by Sports Empire Network, and we will see you tomorrow morning. I mean, you can see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is.